Well, good morning. It's wonderful to be in the Lord's house again today. We appreciate each of you that have come to share with us in this worship service. And we appreciate the choir and all of the wonderful patriotic music that we've had today. And it's now time to turn our attention to the Word of God. So if you'll take your Bible or whatever device you may have your Bible on and turn to Acts chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 23 through 31. I trust that you and your family are having a wonderful uh, break from regular life and are going to celebrate the 4th of July tomorrow. And I know that you celebrated it here in Etowah yesterday, but uh, keep the Lord in the center of all your celebrations. That'll make them even better. Would you stand with us out of reverence to the Word of God as we read together? Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 23, the Bible says, And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, Thou art God which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, all that in them is. Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. Would you pray with me, please? Fathers, we stand in your presence today and in the presence of these precious people. We thank you for the privilege just to be here. And we thank you that we live in a country where we're still free, Lord, to preach and proclaim the word of God. We're still free where we can come and worship you without fear or favor to man. Father, we pray that, Lord, that we won't take these things for granted. And I pray that even today, during this message, Lord, that we will be reminded that we could lose these things. That, Father, that it's you who have given them. And Father, we pray today that our lives might honor you in all that we say and do. We pray that your church will be uh, filled with people once again worshiping from the spirit of truth. And Father, we pray that this nation will once again turn back and let God be head over all of the nation. And Father, we just want to tell you that we love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you and be seated, please. I want to take a phrase from verse 31 today as the title of the message that I want to share with you. And when they had prayed. And I want us to just use this thought 
when the church prayed. This passage of Scripture, of course, is dealing with the early church there in Jerusalem. The day of Pentecost had come. The Holy Spirit had come and filled the believers with His Holy Spirit. And they began to teach and preach in the name of Jesus. And many people were turning to the Lord. Earlier in this chapter, we find where that an amazing thing had happened. A 40-year-old man who had been crippled all of his life, who was a beggar, that he had been miraculously healed. And this caused a great stir in the city of Jerusalem. People began to wonder about that. Peter took the opportunity to take this and he began to preach the gospel. He was arrested, he and John, and put in jail. They were brought out of the jail the next morning. And as the Sanhedrin court had just tried them in the earlier verses of this chapter, they let them go. And that's what it says in verse 23, and being let go. They had been released, but they had been threatened. They had been told not to preach at all in the name of Jesus Christ, not to speak in His name. And of course, this went against what they had been taught by the Lord. It went against what they believed. And it would go against what we believe today if the courts of our land began to say to us, you can't speak or teach anymore about Jesus Christ. Thankfully, we've still got that privilege today that we can teach and preach about our Lord Jesus Christ. And we're grateful for that, but let's never take it for granted that it will always be here. It has happened in other nations across the land and country. Back in the turn of the, the 20th century, Ukraine was the Bible Belt of Europe. But for 70 years, Ukraine was under the domination of Russia. And they were forbidden to teach or preach in the name of Jesus Christ. They were forbidden to have Bibles. They were forbidden to pray. For 70 years, they were that way. Back in 1992, they gained their freedom when President Gorbachev had given those countries the right to be countries of their own once again, rather than a part of the Soviet Union. Revival broke out in Ukraine. God is still blessing over there, but they're in war today. They're under, once again, under the, the hand of, of uh, Russia and, and President Putin. So don't think that it can't happen here. It can, but we pray that it don't. But let's go back and look at what happens when the church prays. You see, the church has been a dominating force in this nation for hundreds of years. This nation was founded upon uh, the freedom to worship God as you, your conscience dictates. But slowly but surely, we have drifted away from where God wants us to be. The churches have drifted away from where God wants us to be. Let's look at this passage of Scripture. Being let go, they went to their own company. There was a group of these people, this group had grown 
from 12 to 120 to 3,000 to 5,000 in just a matter of a few days. God was blessing. Peter and John had been arrested, been let go, been threatened. And being let go, they went to their own company. They went back to their brothers and sisters in Christ. Wherever they were gathered there, we do not know. And they reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. They told about the threats. They told about what had happened. And notice what it says in verse 24. And when they, speaking of the congregation, and when they heard that, they, the congregation, God's people, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. Let's look at their prayer here for just a minute about how they prayed. They lifted up their voice to God. You know what that phrase means? They prayed out loud. They lifted up their voice to God. They were in unity. It says they were in one accord. They had come together to worship God. And they lift up their voice to God. I, I would have liked to have been there. I can remember in my childhood days and even some of the early days of, of my ministry that when churches would gather and there would be a time of prayer, especially in the altar prayer, that most of the men would be praying out loud. You say, well, how could God hear that? Listen, God can hear 10,000 praying at one time. It don't bother Him. But today we've toned it down. And we might have one person to lead in prayer and the rest of us sit and listen. But these people, they were interested in talking to God and they were interested in reaching to God. And they spoke out loud, all of them. Can you imagine what it sounded like? 5,000 people there praying that day in one accord. They were in unity and as they prayed, they lifted up their, their voice with God and they said, Lord, thou art God. Notice the first thing they did. They acknowledged who God is. Lord, thou art God. Wow. We sometimes think of him as some little puppet on a string somewhere that we can manipulate. But I want you to understand something. He is God. There's none like him. Thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. They acknowledge God that He is the creator of heaven and earth and the seas and all the things that are in those. Today, people doubt that there is a God. And when you turn them to creation, oh, they think about the Big Bang and those kind of things. Let me tell you something. God was before, a long time before the Big Bang, if there ever was a Big Bang. The Bible teaches us that God created the heavens and the earth and it was without form and with void. He created everything that's in this world. And they acknowledge that. And we need to acknowledge who God is and what God has done. 
They acknowledged that he was the supreme divinity. The word God there is the Greek word theos, and it means the supreme divine person. Creator, the heavens and the earth and the seas and all the creatures. Notice then they quoted scripture. Verse 25. Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said. Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Notice that. They're talking about, they acknowledge God that even in the scriptures, in the, back in the book of Psalms that was written hundreds and thousands of years before that, that God had predicted something that was going to happen. Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? Those are the writings of David in Psalm chapter 2. The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together. They're relating this to what had happened to Jesus. And notice what it says. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord. The Lord. That's the Greek word kurios. And it means the supreme authority. This is referring to Jesus. They are calling Jesus Lord. And against his Christ. They're acknowledging who Jesus is. That he's the Lord. He's the supreme authority. That he's the Christ. He's the Messiah. That he's God's son. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus. Isn't that a sweet term? My holy child, Jesus. We often think of Jesus as that little babe that was born down in Bethlehem and placed in a manger there because there was no room for them in the inn. And yes, that's who he was. He was God's son. And they're acknowledging that, that he's God's son. He's God's holy child. But that's not all. It says, whom thou hast anointed. He had the anointing of God upon him. The anointing means to be consecrated, dedicated, set apart for God's use. He was that anointed one. As he walked through the land, as he met people that, that were hurting, he would heal their bodies. And he met those that were uh, in other maladies of life, that he would take care of things for them. When they were hungry, he could take five loaves of bread and two small fish and feed 15,000 or more of the people that had gathered out there. Yes, I said 15,000. The Bible says 5,000 men plus women and children. He's, he, that's who he is. They acknowledged the sovereignty of God. Look at verse 27, the latter part in verse 28. Whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were gathered together. Now they're going back and talking about what had just happened before Jesus was crucified. That there was Herod, 
King Herod. There was Pontius Pilate. He's the Roman ruler. The Gentiles, those who are not Jews, and the people of Israel, the Jews. All of these were gathered together. They gathered there for the feast of the Passover. They gathered there, but God had already preordained. Notice what it says in verse 28. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determine before to be done. They're talking about the crucifixion. They're talking about Jesus dying on that cross for the man, uh, sins of mankind. That God had already predetermined this. You say, well, I don't like that term predetermined, predestined. You might as well get used to it. It's in the Word of God. God did it. God knew before eternity that His Son was going to die on the cross for my sins and your sins. God predetermined that. You see, if you take that out of there, you might as well take out the second coming of Jesus if God don't know when it's going to happen or how it's going to happen. But I'm not going to take any of that out. It's there. I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to believe it. I may not understand it, but I'm going to believe it. God is, is a mighty God. He can do things like that. Well, what did they pray for? Let's look at verses 29 and 30. And now, Lord, now, Lord, they're finally getting down to what they needed to pray for. They've been acknowledging God. They've been worshiping God. And that's a good thing to do when you go to pray is to worship God. Acknowledge who He is. Acknowledge who His Son is. Acknowledge who the Holy Spirit is. And now, Lord, behold, they're threatening. Lord, we're being threatened. We've been told not to teach or to preach anymore in the name of Jesus. They're threatening us. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. And that word behold means take a good look at. Lord, I, I, we want you to look down. and We want you to understand. We want you to know that we're being threatened. And grant. The word grant means a gift. They're looking for something from God. When you pray, do you expect anything from God? We should. And grant unto thy servants. Oh, thy servants. Your slaves. Your bondmen. We're nobody without you, Lord. We're slaves. Granted to your servants. And notice their request here. That with all boldness they may speak thy word. Wow. Oh, to God, oh wish to God that we would pray prayers like that today. They prayed for boldness 
to speak God's word in a world where they've been told to keep quiet and not speak in the name of the Lord. That word boldness, I, I read it in a, a, a different Bible. I, I'm preaching from the King James, but I study from other Bibles. That word boldness. It has the idea of a great freedom to speak. A great freedom to speak. They wanted freedom to speak God's word. They didn't want freedom to talk about politics. They didn't want freedom to talk about the weather. They didn't want freedom to talk about the ball game. They wanted freedom. They wanted boldness to speak. Read it for yourself. To speak thy word. They didn't want boldness to just say what they wanted to say. They wanted boldness to speak what God had said. My words don't mean a lot, but God's words do. God's words are eternal. God's word is powerful. It's quick and it's powerful and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces and divides the soul and the, and the spirit. God's word does that. And they are praying for God to do that. Give us boldness to speak your word when you're talking to someone that doesn't know Jesus the best thing you can use is the word of God read God's word to them if you can't quote it read it to them show them what it says you may have to explain it to them a little but the word of God does its work in people's lives I thought back as I was studying this. One day Jesus' disciples came to him with a request. And they said, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. We don't ever hear where they ask God to teach them to, how to preach, to teach them how to teach. But they asked the Lord to teach them to pray. And I think they're getting a lesson right here in this passage of Scripture in how to pray. And it's, it's been translated for us and, and we can learn from it how to pray. Somebody's going to say, well, the Lord said, well, when you pray, say, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation. So on and so forth. Yes, that was the Lord's prayer. But here he is teaching them to pray for specific things. And that's something we need to learn in our lives to be specific in our prayer life. Notice what they asked him to do. 
They asked God to show up. They asked God to do some things. Grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. By stretching forth thy hand to heal. Hmm. You see, that crippled man that had been healed there, that brought a lot of attention to Peter and John and people gathered around and they were wanting to know what they had done to heal that man. But they gave all the credit to God. They knew they were not in the healing business themselves. But they knew that God was. And here they're asking him to stretch forth his hand to heal We've come to a place in our world today that the majority of Christians thinks God doesn't heal people anymore. Well, I'll tell you this, He's never stopped healing people. Sometimes He does it miraculously. Sometimes He does it through medicines and other things. But He's still in the healing business. Stretch forth your hand to heal. And that signs and wonders may be done. What are signs and wonders? They're asking God to perform miracles. Why? So people could see them that didn't believe and it would turn them to, toward God and then they would hear God's word. They would hear God's message. That signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. There's that phrase again. Thy holy child, Jesus. Let's get, God, you come and do the work. You come and perform miracles. You come and heal people. You, you do wonders and uh, signs and all of these things out here. By the name of your holy child Jesus that doesn't give men anything to brag about it's God that does that it's God and then we come down to our our thought and when they had prayed there was something that happened here When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. Let's go back a few days. When Jesus cried out from the cross those words, Tetelestai, translated, It is finished. What took place? The earth began to shake and tremble. Jesus was taken off of that cross and was placed in a borrowed tomb. And that tomb was sealed. But three days later, the Bible says there was a great earthquake. 
here now, 50 days later, here's another shaking. When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. I don't know where they were assembled together. I know in the earlier chapters here, they were in that upper room. But that upper room wouldn't hold 5,000 people. I don't know where they were at. We find in another place where they were on Solomon's porch there at the temple. Perhaps they were gathered there. It doesn't really matter. Wherever they were at, God shook that place. They knew God was answering their prayer. But not only did he shake that place, and they, that whole congregation, they were all. How many is all? All. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. God's Holy Spirit came and filled every one of them. Some people think the filling of the Holy Spirit is just for a select few people. It's for all of God's people. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Remember what they prayed for? Boldness. And they spake the word of God with boldness. God answered their prayer. God filled them with the Spirit. They spoke about God with boldness. Oh, that the church of our day would speak the Word of God with boldness. We've come to the place to where we think it's more important to entertain people. Let me tell you something. Entertainment is a dime a dozen. But when we speak the word of God, it'll last forever. It's eternal. It'll never change. They spoke the word of God with boldness. I remember Solomon at the dedication of the temple. He had prayed a wonderful prayer. You can go back into Second Chronicles and chapter 6 and you can read that prayer. And in chapter 7 of Second Chronicles, the Lord answers Solomon's prayer. And in verse 14, he says this, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. God said, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Yes, we pray God will bless America. I pray God will help America turn back to him and let him be Lord in our lives once again. As this invitation time comes today, 
as God speaks to your heart. I don't know your need. I don't know what God's saying to you, but you know, and God knows, and that's what's important. I want to encourage us today as individuals and as a church to pray before God, to seek for God to give us boldness, to proclaim His Word to the people around us. Would you stand with us in reverence to the Word of God and reverence to God and bow your head in prayer. Father, I just want to praise you. We've never been threatened and told not to teach or preach in the name of Jesus. And Lord, because we've never been threatened, I guess we think we don't need boldness. But Lord, we're really under a threat. A threat, Lord, of the churches becoming insignificant in our nation. We're being pushed to the back burner. And in subtle ways, we're being told to be quiet and not to speak. But Lord, your word teaches otherwise. Your word teaches us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And Lord, help us not to bow to the things of this world, but Lord, to bow before you, to seek to be filled with your spirit, to seek, Lord, to be bold in our witness of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that, Lord, you'll shake this place for your, your honor and your glory. That, Lord, that you wake us up and you'll revive us, our Father, and help us to be the people you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.